Good morning. My name is Spencer Bruce. I'm the lead pastor here at St. Stephen's Church, and it is a blessing to be here with you today. Today we begin a new sermon series on fruitful, on what it means to be fruitful followers of Jesus Christ, and it lines up with our stewardship campaign. If you have are on our mailing list, you have hopefully received a couple different mailings by now, and We'll receive one again in a couple weeks. And if you haven't but would like to, by the way, note that on the Connect card that you're not getting the mailings, and we'll make sure to get those to you. This week, uh, we start our past, our, my sermon starts by taking a look at uh, Jeremiah 17, verses 7 through 8. This is our uh, scripture theme for the entire sermon series and also the stewardship campaign but today it also leads this sermon blessed are those who trust in the lord whose trust is the lord they shall be like a tree planted by water sending out its roots by the stream shall not fear when he comes and its leaves shall stay green. In the year of drought, it is not anxious, and it does not cease to bear fruit. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. As United Methodist pastors in our connectional system, we at times, if not most of the time, are expected to serve in ways beyond the local church, whether it's on our district level or at the conference level. And one of my favorite things I've done in that way in our church is serve on what's called the District Committee of Ordained Ministry. It's, a, it's an acronym, so I have to think about it. I came to call it by the acronym. And part of the blessing of that ministry is getting to meet those who are considering a call to ordained ministry or to serve as clergy, professional ministry in the church. And as we meet them for the very first time, we call them candidates. And um, the first time we meet them, we set aside the questions about qualifications, about education, about training, about um, understanding the doctrines of the church. Those come later. The very first thing that we seek is a sense of call. Do they have a call to this ordained ministry? We are all called to ministry, but particularly to that. And as we listen to their stories and we listen for confirmation of that, then we start to ask questions because while we hope to hear that in their words, sometimes we need evidence from their lives. And there's no way for us to really get that evidence except for seeking out the fruit in their lives as followers of Jesus? What is the fruit that their faith and their call bears? And that fruit comes out in terms of the work that God is doing within them, but also the work that God is doing through them. So we ask questions around this concept of fruitfulness. And while we did that with those candidates, it's also true of us as followers of Christ 
as a mirror, as I've talked about a few weeks ago, as a mirror of our faith, what, how are we growing as disciples of Jesus Christ? And that measure comes down to this idea of how fruitful are we? How fruitful are we in our lives, in our journey of faith? Fruit as the evidence of our faith, both in the external and the external indications of a life lived with God in Jesus Christ. A few weeks ago, we talked about the fruit of the Spirit as one of the mirrors in Scripture as we search God's Word to explore our faith and to understand God's Word. But at the fruit of the, of the Spirit is found in Galatians 5 as a mirror of our discipleship. That is part of the fruit of our faith the internal transformation that, that takes place. It's ongoing work, by the way, um, in our lives of faith. We also talked a few weeks ago about Matthew 25 and the sorting of the sheep and the goats. That text is a mirror for us in terms of fruitfulness in the external indicators of our life. If you take the work of Jesus in total, we often refer to that as how are we reaching out to the least, the last, and the lost. In Matthew 25, it's you took care of the least of these, fed the hungry, gave drink to the thirsty, clothed the naked, visited the sick, and in prison. Those aren't the only ones, but those are many of them. So over the next few weeks, we're going to explore fruitfulness. Um, and the th aspects of our lives that reveal or rather help us to live more fully into the fruitful life that God has called us into. So we start this week exploring what it means to be rooted. In, in coming weeks, we look at being connected, cultivated, and gathered as individuals, as a part of a community of faith, and also as a part of the church universal. In the text today, we hear from the prophet Jeremiah. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't turn to Jeremiah a lot. It's not, his writings are not the most uplifting. One, his other book is called Lamentations. Jeremiah cries a lot. But woven in all these words of woe, are these streams of hope, including this text that we heard this morning. In this text, we read that we experience God's blessedness and provision as we trust God, and even more so as we acknowledge that God, our trust is God himself. Jeremiah connects trusting God to a tree planted by an abundant supply of refreshing water even provides for it, even times of heat and drought. I love the image of growing things for our lives as followers of Christ. They're not stagnant. Even when, when we read about stones in, Paul, in Peter's writings, they're not just dead things, they're living stones. Our lives as followers of Christ are living, growing things. And we find this image here in Jeremiah. Jeremiah was speaking specifically at the time of the nation of Israel, but he also, this also connects to us as individual followers, but also collectively as the church. 
Again, in, in this imagery, the roots of that tree planted by God give it access to a flowing stream. In my mind, that flowing stream is God's grace poured out upon us, the grace that calls us to himself, the grace that redeems us for himself, and that grace that continues to guide us in living more and more holy lives for him in this world. Being rooted in is essential to being fruitful in our ministry together and living out our faith journeys, both in times of plenty and in times of need and all the times in between. So today we'll consider that our faith is rooted with trust, through community, and by the essentials. We start at the aspect of rootedness that we read in Jeremiah in chapter 7, I mean chapter 17 in these verses 7 and 8. Blessed are those who trust in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. They shall be like a tree planted by water, sending out its roots by the stream. That's the most significant aspect of being rooted is our trust in God, finding our trust in God. It's almost as if the tree has roots and, uh, and is sending them everywhere except where God wants us, has provide, already provided for us, rather. And as we trust in God, we're some kind of funky tree, and we can send our roots in another direction. And it is the most essential aspect of our, of our faith journey of our rootedness, but it's often not where we start. We start other places. But I, I, got, a, I got a little ahead of myself. That trust we have in God as we sink our roots more deeply is a trust that holds us firmly in place regardless of the challenges around us. Trusting God in the middle of good times and in hard times, in celebrations and losses, in mundane, routine, even boring times, still trusting God regardless. It's not dependent upon our circumstances. Trusting the one who's created the heaven and the earth, heavens and the earth, and continues to hold us in the palm of his hand. And as I was saying, while the scripture is grounded in trust, we as individual followers often don't start there. We develop into that. We get to that point of trusting in God. Where do we typically start? We start where we are growing in faith. And in this context, we start in the community of faith, the church that is helping us grow. That's where we learn to sink our roots. That's where we learn to develop trust in God as we learn to be in community together, growing, not stagnant, not, not um, like dead stones, but like living stones. You're all familiar with Redwood trees, the ones out on the Pacific Northwest, they're coast redwoods. There are other types of redwood trees around and about. They're magnificent. As you see this picture, there's a person on that trail. Do you see that little dark exclamation mark at the very bottom of that? The scale of those trees is hard to fathom until you're standing in the midst of them. That trip I took out, I mentioned it over the summer to Yosemite with my cousin. On another weekend, she took me up to one of the Redwood Forests in Northern California, and it's breathtaking to stand in the midst of those old, ancient 
trees, and their size is beyond anything you can imagine. I've stood in old, old wood force on the East Coast and joked about, you know, you can't get your arms around them, maybe three of my wing, wing you know, of my arm spans around. Wouldn't even touch that. We couldn't even get around the first half of most of those trees. The tallest of these that's known anyway, uh, they call it Hyperion. I love, that's a great name, by the way. That may be a good dog name, I don't know. Try it out. Um, it, these trees typically grow to over 300 feet. This one is 380 feet tall. And to compare how tall that is, I, I found this graphic. The Coast Redwood, and that's, that's Hyperion. It's grown a foot since they made that graphic. And the other largest tree species is a giant sequoia, also found uh, on the West Coast. Both of those are taller than the Statue of Liberty or our U.S. Capitol in a Dawn Redwood. I don't know what that is. That was in the graphics, so I just left it in there. Hyperion is an outlier, but it's not unusual for these trees to be at 300 feet, to be at the height of the Statue of Liberty. But not only is their height remarkable, but so is their root system. Before I learned more, I assumed that they had like a really long taproot, like oak trees do. It goes, sinks really deep into the ground, kind of like an, like an auger holding them in place. And while they do have some tap system, because apparently all trees do have at least a little bit of one when they start growing, their, their depth of their roots is only 6 to 12 feet. It's very small compared to their total height. But their roots go out. 100 feet, up to 100 feet in width at the base of those trees. And as they do so, because they go out so far, they end up interweaving, it's called intertwining, actually, as they talk about in trees, with the trees around them. And that's so that they can stand in the midst of the challenges of the winds and storms that come their way particularly in the Pacific Northwest. Even with all of that root, one tree in a heavy windstorm would fall over at that height. But intertwined together, roots intermingled, they can withstand life's challenges. And something else that is extraordinary is how they reproduce. Each tree can produce 100,000 seeds each year. But the most successful redwoods grow from sprouts that form around the base of the tree. We would call them suckers, like they come off of the crepe myrtles that we see around us. And they end up cre uh, creating a circle of trees around the mature tree. They call them fairy rings. In my mind, I knew of fairy rings as those mushroom circles, you know, in our yards, but they also call those of Ridwoods the same way. And not only are they helping hold each other up, but they're also supplying nutrients from the mature tree to the saplings. What a great image for church, the community of faith, the body of Christ, holding each other up, sharing our gifts and graces so that we all may grow and be nurtured in faith together. When we find our rootedness in the community of faith, we grow because of the growth of the others around us. The Church Universal has existed for 2,000 years or so, 
because our ancestors and predecessors or the trees that have gone before have brought forth other trees connecting us to each other and directing us to the source of our faith, the living God. Those same ancestors and predecessors have laid the groundwork on which we have been able to grow and learn, to worship and serve, to pray and encourage, and more and more and more as we live into our fruitfulness as followers of Christ. And we are here today because of the fruitfulness of the others who have come before us. And while the church universal is around two, two millennia in age, St. Stephen's is in its 60th year of ministry. As a community of faith, as we grow and, and return nurture the church, we make it possible for others to grow in their faith. Whether it's those who come uh, uh, at, or are born in this church and are raised at, for, as children and come up through its ministries, or they find our church later in life because of your fruitfulness and the fruitfulness of those who have come before, they can find their faith. They can deepen their roots and grow in faith and likeness of Christ. And as we are rooted with trust in God and rooted through community, we are rooted by the essentials. I sp we spent four weeks talking about essentials of faith and those waypoints. I'm not going to do that whole thing over again in a third point with subpoints and diagrams. But part of the role of the community of faith, the church, is to equip us with the tools to deepen our faith. And that's why those waypoints and other things are so vital. That's why it's so important that we pray and worship together, read and study the Bible together, serve alongside one another in the church and the community, and talk about how we understand and apply God's will together. Pastor Minu did much, a much better job last week than I did in the previous weeks of talking about those essentials of faith in terms of community. All of those things are better in community. Praying together, serving together, worshiping together, studying scripture together helps us to grow and mature in ways that on our own can't fully achieve. The, on our own is good, but together is so much better. And it is through living those out and enjoying those together, inviting others to come alongside us and participate in those essentials of our faith. And that's not an exclusive list, by the way. There are others. But to do those things together, we are helping others as we help ourselves to deepen our roots and strengthen our faith so that we might be more fruitful for the kingdom of God. The church is meant to be God's primary earthly means of making disciples of Jesus Christ. This church specifically is empowered and strengthened by each of us and everyone who has come before. When anyone joins the United Methodist Church as their first church or their next church, we ask this final question. Will you support this church with your prayers, your presence, your gifts, and your service? As we continue supporting this church, we pray for its mission and its ministry. As we continue to support this church, we're part of its mission and ministry going beyond simply being present to being engaged. 
As we continue to support this church, we give our tithes and our offerings, returning to God a portion of the blessings that we have received. As we continue to support this church, we participate in its work, volunteering or serving inside the walls and out in the community on its behalf. And as we live into these commitments, we extend our roots towards one another and mutual support and growth, helping us all become more like the one who God has called us and created us to be. Talked about that we're rooted with trust in God. We're rooted through community and we're rooted by the essentials. But what are we rooted in? What's the soil that our roots grab hold of? Ephesians chapter 3 tells us a little bit about that. Ephesians chapter 3 is, is the end of uh, of this letter that church that Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus, it's the basis, by the way, for this prayer that's uh, as an insert in your bulletin. There'll be a, a prayer, a continuation of this prayer each week for the next three weeks, uh, culminating in the full prayer on the last Sunday of the month. I invite you to to share uh, to pray this prayer uh, for yourself and and for the church. Each week, our stewardship team um, put these together to help us include prayer in our, uh, a prayer for our mission together in ministry. But back to the text as a whole, this passage reminds us that we are rooted, what our roots are rooted into. For this reason, I bound my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven on earth takes its name. I pray that according to the riches of his glory, we may grant that you may be strengthened in your inner being with power through his spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. As you are being rooted and grounded in love, I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Let us to be, together be rooted in God's love through community by the essentials of our faith with trust in God's goodness and grace, greatness. Amen. Let's pray. Holy God, thank you for inviting us into community with each other and with you. Christ is the head of the body. We join together under his headship, under his guidance and direction. He is the way. Lord, help us to come together, all our many parts, different as they are, different as we are, rooted together in love in this community of faith, seeking to be more fruitful, faithful followers of your Son. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.